You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello! Long Island, New York, and around the country, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy Petey, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are here at 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I hope everybody's enjoying their week. It has been a hot one. It has been a sweaty one. It's been a steamy one. It is not in the 70s like last week. We are in a heat wave, and today was 80-something degrees and rainy. Throughout the week, it was in the 90s. It almost hit 100 degrees. At the end of the summer, it's just been absolutely steamy. Speedy, how are you? Good. Happy football season, everybody. First game Thursday night, the Lions shocking the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, proving that they're not the same old Lions anymore. And as for the Kansas City Chiefs, enjoy having Mr. Pothands, Kadarius Tony, costing you games. 10 and 7, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my predictions this year for the great Kansas City Chiefs. As if anybody has listened to the sports loudmouth over the week, me and Wes have bet which sets in the Kansas City Chiefs record this year. I believe Kansas City is going to be 10-7. and I believe Kansas City doesn't have enough weapons to get into the playoffs. Yes, you heard it from me. They're not even making the playoffs this year. The AFC is too good, and even their division, the AFC West, I don't know if they're the best team in their division, or possibly not even the second best team in their division, because I think the Broncos are going to be a lot better than people think this year. The only team that's going to suck is the Las Vegas Raiders. We will get into that a little bit later in the show. A little bit later in the show, we will be talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio analyst and broadcaster, our friend Pete Bursick. More than likely, he will be doing the interview in his car. For some reason, in the four interviews we've had with him, two out of the four, he was hanging out in his car. He is definitely a unique person, and I'm sure he'll have reasons on why he's hanging out in his car. And he also has reasons to take shots at Aaron Rodgers, and he has reasons to take shots at the Jets, and now they're on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> look at that one. Nick Bosa signs a five-year, $170 million deal, making him the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Travis Kelsey injured. Chris Jones still holding out for the Chiefs. So what does that spell? Well, after Thursday Night Football, it might be spelling a lot of money because that's what Chris Jones is going to receive. Even though Kansas City's defense played very well against the Lions and the Lions strength going into the season is their offense, not their defense. Their defense is good, but mediocre. What's going to make the Lions a dangerous team this year is their offense and what their offensive line could provide for their quarterback and Jared Goff and the wide receivers that they have. And Laporta looks like he could be a good tight end. Definitely excited to see what the Lions could do in their division this year. Vikings could make Justin Jefferson the highest paid receiver very soon. Justin Jefferson is looking for a big contract as we saw last year. It was the year of the wide receiver. Maybe before the season even starts, Justin Jefferson 
Jefferson could have the most expensive wide receiving contract in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers says that the Jets' experience has been even better than expected. Listen to that, Jet fans. Or how about this? Listen to that for all the writers, the analysts, everybody that is taking shots about Aaron Rodgers, that he's not a team player, or he just ruins organizations. But Aaron Rodgers says it's a great experience. You haven't heard him say that about Green Bay or the Green Bay organization. But Aaron Rodgers is an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Eli Manning warns Aaron Rodgers about the New York media. Says they are in the honeymoon stage with him. So he's pretty much saying as soon as he starts to lose, the media will attack him. But I and everybody that knows anything about the media believes even if they attack Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers will not let it bother him. He is not Zach Wilson. He is not Mike White. He is not Joe Flacco. He is not any other quarterback on that roster for the last three years. This guy is one of the greatest quarterbacks and one of those mind-blowing quarterbacks who doesn't like anybody or care to find anybody bothersome in his mind as he hung out in the darkness. By the way, his shirt that he's been wearing, I'm coming from the darkness, but now I'm in the Big Apple. It was on the Mark Sanchez and Nick Mangold podcast. It was a fantastic shirt. Very cool shirt. We will get into the AFC and NFC division previews, three for all picks of the week, and we will continue doing this as the football season has begun, and Moneyline Mania with Paolo, as always. So why don't we get into it? Nick Bosa signs the most prestigious five-year, $170 million contract, making him the highest-paid defensive lineman in NFL history. Adam Scheffner reports that Nick Bosa will get 34 per year, which surpasses Aaron Donald's contract. Bosa deal is $122.5 million guaranteed and was the big reason the deal took this long to sign. Bosa also becomes the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Bosa had 18.5 sacks, 19 tackles for loss, and 48 quarterback hits last season and won the Defensive Player of the Year. Bosa has 43 sacks, 106 quarterback hits, and 56 tackles for loss in 51 career games. Nick Bosa is the best defensive player in the NFL. Everybody expected Nick to go out there and and extend his hand to the 49ers. And if they weren't going to extend back, he was going to ask to be traded in the offseason. Not this offseason, but next offseason. And I know every Jet fan out there had pictures of him in a Jets jersey. He wasn't going to the Jets. The Jets don't have the money to pay him. Even with the money that Aaron Rodgers has dropped, the $35.5 million, everybody says that Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy. And actually, when he was traded, he reached out to Jordan Love and congratulated him. Did he have to reach out to Jordan Love to congratulate him on taking the job away from him? No, because he's going to the Jets and he's in a better situation. And he knows that he has a lot of work to do to get that team back to where they believe they were last season with the talented defense they had and no offensive players, which, by the way, they didn't add enough in the offseason. But when you look at Nick Bosa and you compare some of the great defensive players in the league, Chris Jones, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, Quinn Williams... Aaron Donald. You cannot replace a player like Nick Bosa. He's too talented. He is the anchor to that defense. But the fact that Nick Bosa didn't have any OTAs, minicamp, preseason, this could affect Nick Bosa this season in the beginning. He has to get his legs under him. He 
barely practice with the team. And I understand players. They're all about themselves. They're all about the money that they should make. As well as the running backs over the last couple of weeks have been thrown to the wolves. And they have stood out and really tried to speak out for all the running backs throughout the league because they believe they should get paid just as much as a quarterback, as a cornerback, as an offensive lineman because they're as important to the offense as any player on the field. To lose a defensive player like Nick Bosa, it's like the Jets losing Aaron Rodgers. Nick Bosa is everything to the 49ers. The pressure, everything he puts on the opposing quarterback. And this is a guy that is going to go out there and give you everything, every single week, hurt or not hurt. He'll go out there and play. And that says a lot about him as a player. That says a a lot about a captain that he is on the field. And remember, you're going into the season with Brock Purdy. You need all the defense that you can get. He's a very small sample right now as it is. And for a guy that was a last pick of the draft, too, coming off a UCL injury, it's going to be very tough to trust. You're going to have to see a lot of heavy motion yards after the catch offense to start the season until Purdy gets reacclimated. I'm surprised he's starting as it is. I was expecting him to be out at least a month. He's him in, and they trust him to do that more, I guess, than somebody like a Sam Darnold, who's had short accuracy issues his whole career. Andy Reid said that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee during Tuesday's practice. The Chiefs medical staff say his ACL is intact, and there is no structural damage. Ian Rappaport reports that initial diagnosis was a bone bruise and doesn't see it to being a long-term injury. You have to look at the big picture. He's everything new offense this year. Who do they have? Who do they trust? Do you trust anybody on that roster? Besides Patrick Mahomes where everybody's going to be gunning for him, trying to take his head off. Oh, you don't oh. trust the great Kadarius Tony? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, don't Honestly. worry, they also have ex-giant Richie James who was Mr. Fumbleitis last year. I just think that when you look at Travis Kelsey and look at his ability and what he's capable of doing, you know that they have to be very careful with him because if you lose him for a significant amount of time, that could put you in a big situation. When you look at where they are going into the season, there's nothing out there on their offense. Losing Juju Smith-Schuster, that hurt him, even though his knee isn't 100%. And then Hardman went to the New York Jets. He gives the Jets another slot-wide receiver that you can really spread out that offense for Aaron Rodgers. So Hardman wanted to go to a team where he thought has a better chance of winning a championship this year. Now, that doesn't say that the Chiefs aren't going to be as favored as any team in the NFL because they are the Super Bowl champions, and they do have the best quarterback in the NFL. But this is not a good story. I think when you look at everything with the Kansas City Chiefs this year, even their defense. We don't know what's going to go on with Chris Jones. Jones said on Wednesday that he just wants a raise and doesn't want to be a distraction to his teammate. Jones also said, I always wanted to be a Kansas City Chief for life. Jones is on the final year of a four-year $80 million deal that he signed in 2020. Jones is 29 years old, which is still fairly young, and had 15.5 sacks, 29 quarterback hits, 17 tackles for loss, and 44 total tackles last season. You wonder where they were last year, dominant where they were in their division, with the Chargers now better this year and have a healthy offensive line. Even the Denver Broncos are going to be really, really good too with a new coach in Sean Payton who likes to talk as well. (laughs) And also a quarterback that wants to prove himself, which he did not do last year after getting a $200 million contract. Are the Chiefs the best team in the AFC? Are the Chiefs the best team in our division? ESPN's Jeremy Fowler says the deal for Justin Jefferson to become the highest paid wide receiver could become 
coming a lot sooner than people think. ESPN's Diana Ruzzini also added the deal could come as soon as next week. Jefferson has had 1,400 yards or more in his first three seasons in the NFL. Jefferson has had over 100 catches in every year besides his rookie year when he had 88. The Vikings recently made TJ Hawkinson the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Jefferson has mentioned he wants Kirk Cousins to remain his quarterback. Cousin is on his last year of his extension. He will be in the offseason a free agent. Jefferson is the franchise. He's the best player on a team. They decided to part ways with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook for years before Jefferson was the best player on this roster. Justin Jefferson's the best player right now in the league. Besides the quarterback position, I know Patrick Mahomes is the guy. But besides that, Justin Jefferson is by far the best player in the league. And right now, if you want to compare a player to believes Jerry Rice's records are going to be broken, it's this guy. The way he is playing, the youth, the opportunity that he has in Minnesota, if Kirk Cousins stays there, he is going to put up between 13 and 1,500 yards every year. And he's going to give you 10 to 11 touchdowns. If he does put those numbers up, you're talking about Jerry Rice kind of numbers. He has to do it for 20 years. Can he do it for 20 years? The NFL is different now. They're more athletic. They're faster, they're stronger, and it's different rules. It does bold well for the wide receivers now than they did when Jerry Rice played. It's become more of an offensive game, not a defensive game. Everything goes for the quarterbacks, the wide receivers. But Justin Jefferson is that franchise. And when you look at the kind of money these wide receivers are getting right now, Tyreek Hill making about $30 million a year, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, the kind of money that they're throwing at these wide receivers, Justin Jefferson's going to make between 38 and $40 million a year. You look at the peak value for when he's getting paid, too. Tyreek Hill got paid at 28 years old, that $30 million a year contract. Now, his was only four years. Jefferson will probably end up getting five. But you look at Jefferson being six years younger than what Hill is right now. Jefferson, 24 years old and very consistent every year. You mentioned his rookie year is the only year he did not have 100 catches and he still had 88. 1,400 yards, 1,600 yards and almost a record-setting year last year from what Cooper Cup did the year before, which was close to record-setting with Calvin Johnson. So he's going to shatter that. He's going to get paid not top quarterbacks, but probably second and third-tier quarterbacks. He's going to get paid more than those guys. And it's crazy to think what his upside could be with the rules now the way they are. Now, the only thing you just got to worry about is injuries with him, but so far he's been good with that too. Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show that his experience with the Jets has been even better than expected. Rodgers also added the Jets have been flying under the radar and training camp. They've been very, very quiet. Rodgers also added that many conversations that were said on hard knocks were also very positive in-house and sometimes were misinterpreted by the media outlets and fans. Eli Manning said on ESPN that Aaron Rodgers can handle the New York media, but this is the honeymoon stage of the New York media. Eli also added that Rodgers has made a good impression on New York by being out there at events and in the city and with his teammates. He said that the New York media goes from one extreme to another. And if you win and play well, you're an MVP of a Super Bowl. And if you lose, there are red flags. And that's because of the media. It has nothing to do with the organization. It has something to do with the media saying that he's been not as good as what the Jets traded for, or maybe he's just a washed-up quarterback, a.k.a. Brett Favre, at the time. And he, by the way, Brett Favre was not washed up when he was on the Jets. He got hurt against the Patriots on Thursday Night Football when the Jets were 8-3. and three. And if Brett Favre was not hurt 
in that game. I think the Jets make the playoffs, and I think the yeah. Jets make a run at a Super Bowl. Remember, that division was weak that year, too, because Miami squeaked in and won the division, and the Patriots had no Tom Brady, so they were riding rem- with Matt Castle. And remember, <laughs> that trade happened before the season even started. So right. Brett Favre didn't play at minicamp, didn't practice with any of the youngsters. He just went on the field and played. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been at minicamp for like four years. This is the first minicamp that he showed up to, hung out with the team, hang out with some of the players that he plays with, and shows that he is not only a team captain, but he shows that he is one of those players you want to play for in the huddle. And I think that's going to make a huge difference as the season progressively moves forward, and you're trying to compare and contrast the Jets from last year to this year, which I think is going to be completely different. And you look at the organizational stability now, too. I think there's a lot of players, not just Aaron Rodgers, but other players that trust the Jets to be able to do the right thing, too. I know Quinn Williams was posting all these things to say that the Jets were doing it wrong, delaying signing him, but that wasn't the case. Joe Douglas had a process, he had a plan, too. And you kind of see the difference now with Woody Johnson returning after he left to do his ambassadorship from Christopher Johnson, and you're trying to see that power come back within the ownership, too. And Woody Johnson before that was kind of crazy. He was doing all these big signings, flashy signings that didn't work out. They brought in Le'Veon Bell, they brought in all these other receivers that didn't work out and it just made a bad impression on them. When we come back, our very special friend, we will be talking to former Vikings, linebacker, and current Vikings radio analyst and broadcaster Pete Bursick here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. You can listen to us every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out the Sports Loudmouth, which airs now every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Check out the times of all our shows throughout the week by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have our very special guest of the week. We are now talking to former Vikings, linebacker, current Vikings radio analyst and broadcaster, our friend Pete Bursick. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, he is interviewing in his car. Pete, what's up, man? Not much. How are you guys doing? We are good, man. You're driving in your car. You're just chilling. I do remember, it wasn't the last time, but the time before that, we had you on the show and you were driving. It was nighttime, and you were enjoying the show, and you really stood out. You are the man, but we're happy to have you on. Your Minnesota Vikings lose Dalvin Cook to who? The New York Jets! You could have in Dal. It had to have been a money issue. There's nothing about Dalvin's game that there isn't to like. This ties in a lot, I think, to this game that we're going to play against the Buccaneers. It's not just being able to run the football, but being explosive. You look at the Jets, and if you have Rodgers in there and he's able to throw the football, you're going to see a lot more too high safety, and and when you see that, you can hand the football off. And Dalvin's not just going to move the chains for you when he's healthy. He can light up the scoreboard. He did it against Buffalo, 81 yards. Boom, that touchdown really turned things around. And the other thing is he's a true leader. I think Zedarius Smith on defense and Dalvin on offense were the two toughest guys that we had. They were the emotional, tough-type leaders. The physical side of it to replace Dalvin's big enough. But who he was on the offense, the offensive lineman, and making guys accountable and his attitude, he was a very important part of this Vikings offense last year, and I'm definitely sad to see him go. But this is the NFL, and those guys don't stick around forever, so it's kind of part of the game. And Dalvin stays healthy. You guys have yourself one hell of a good running back. 
two of them, actually. The Vikings backfield now with Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. How do you think the Vikings are going to approach that now without Dalvin Cook? If there's something in this offense that they wish they could have gotten more out of Dalvin from would be in the passing game. An unbelievable touchdown catch against the Commanders, so he, he could do it. But whip screens, but a route running running back or someone out of the backfield is something that they could utilize. I have that same concern going into this season. Is You got Justin Jefferson on one side. You want to play two deep safety. You want to keep an extra guy deep. You know, I looked at all of his receptions from last year. He took seven big hits last year that he made receptions on, and six of those seven were in two deep type coverages. So you have a corner and a safety, and the safety's waiting on him, and the DBs are willing to trade a first down for a headache with Justin. They're trying to hit him. That's part of the game. They want to blow him up. How do you relieve pressure from that? Well, you do that by not just moving the chains when you run the ball, but being explosive 20, 30 yards at a time. Will we be able to maintain that? Will we force the defense to have to honor the run game with adding another safety in the box at times? And that's going to be, I think, the big question. We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings analyst and broadcaster Pete Bursick, a friend of the show, a friend of ours. You just mentioned Justin Jefferson, and there was a story coming out. The Vikings could make Justin Jefferson the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. What are your thoughts to Justin Jefferson? What could he be making? Do you believe if there's anybody close enough to break Jerry Rice's records, it would be Justin Jefferson? What type of player is he to the fans, and what kind of money you think he's going to be making? He's definitely going to be one of, if not the highest paid receivers. Justin Jefferson is healthy. He plays all the time. We've had that issue with our defensive backs is we get a guy that plays a couple good games and then he's hurt and he's out for two or three weeks. And to get to be next level, to get to be great, you have to be on the field and you have to stay on the field. And last year against the Detroit Lions, I believe it was game number three, Justin had three receptions for 39 yards. Mm -hmm. That's it. And 11 of his 17 games, he had over 100. The Lions shut him down. They did it with a physical corner and then keeping a safety over the top. It's something that he hadn't seen, but it's a copycat league. So the rest of the league tried to do it or do as best they can to imitate it. And Justin kept working and getting better at it, getting used to seeing it. He and the quarterback, and then he just took it to that next level. So you make that transition from college to the NFL. In college, I think you play up to team strengths and then in the NFL you attack weaknesses and even as a player you have to attack your own weaknesses knowing what you do not do well and that's what you have to focus on and get better and Justin Jefferson will do that. He has a couple drops in practice. He'll stay after and hit the jugs machine and catch 100 balls. I know it sounds very cliche but that's what he's willing to do and that's why he's as good as he is. He's so fluid in his hips and his ability to start and stop and in and out of breaks. Those things are second level but his ability to stay on the field, his catch radius, those kinds of things are what makes him great. Those are the things that should make him and probably will make him the highest paid receiver in the game. He also mentioned that he wants to play with Kirk Cousins. Cousins is a free agent too. Do you think they'll bring him back on a shorter deal just to keep Justin Uh, Jefferson happy? I love that. I'm I'm sure what Kirk's response was, yeah, if you give me some of your money, I'll stick around. (laughs) That's the logical question. You lock up TJ Hawkinson for a while and if you get Justin done, then the next question is going to be who's going to be throwing them the football because do we have the draft equity for next year to look at one of the top two quarterbacks that kid from USC is good he's mm-hmm. really good I saw plenty of him with Jordan Addison and watching him so who's going to be throwing them the football that's going to be the main thing but you'll have two down one to go and contract thing I'm thinking about like Dante 
Culpepper and Randy Moss, and both those guys wanted to be the number one paid guy on the team and made the team choose. The team had to make a choice, and they chose Dante. So that's unfortunate. The funny part of it is I'd love to keep these guys around forever, this group, but it may or may not be a reality. Jordan Addison was the best wide receiver going into the draft from USC in a very long time. A guy that a lot of people think will be explosive on the other side from Justin Jefferson. This kid is explosive. Over the offseason when he was drafted, he got in trouble speeding in his car, and this is a big problem when it comes to these young players. They make a lot of money, they buy these fast cars, and they cause a lot of trouble on the road. Think about it. When you were 22 years old and someone gave you a couple million dollars, I never would have gotten in trouble. You've made millions. Don't lie. I made $82,000 my rookie year. (laughs) I always get that though. People come up and they say, how come these guys just can't stay out of trouble? They got all this money on the line. No, it's not about that. It's about all of a sudden having a boatload of money in your pocket. You finally made the NFL. You can finally get women to talk to you when you go out in public. <laughs> You're going to do something stupid, right? No excuse. But at the same time, there's a difference between if it's a serious personality issue or it's just something dumb because we all do dumb things. Pete, you're attacking your player over here. You're saying he's not pretty enough for women. I've seen the headshots for the program, the media guide. There's a lot of ugly to go around. <laughs> you know what they should do? They should take your head and put on every one of their bodies and then they'll be when, beautiful. When I played training camp, that was one of the contests with King Ugly. <laughs> Who is the ugliest guy on the team? And people would vote with their money and they go from there. So people complain. I, I can't recognize football players because they always have their helmets on. That may be a good thing for you. I see some of these guys with their helmets off. They scare children. Look the movie theaters. I played with Daryl Talley. I love Daryl. Daryl's one of my favorite guys of all time, but Daryl Talley was ugly. I get paid to talk and it leaves you speechless sometimes how ugly some of these guys are. If only the 2008 Steelers had a competition like that. It would be a great final of Alan Fanica versus Brett Kiesel. <laughs> Poor Daryl. These guys could do that deal where they could walk through the facility and get the clocks to stop just by looking at them. It's amazing how ugly some of these guys are. <laughs> and I got plenty of it to go around, too. It's not like I'm sitting here saying I'm above and beyond it. Where It's an ugly game played by ugly people. That is such a bunch of crap because look at Nick Bosa. Every single woman wants to jump his bones. How about Jimmy G? Out with a porno star every single weekend. So you named two out of 1,200? Well, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's pretty. <laughs> like one-tenth of 1%. Yeah, there's going to be freaks and flyers. Of course there are. But for the most part, no, thank you. I don't know about you, man, but I'm not looking at these guys' faces. Go find me an offensive lineman that you could put in that same category. Look at Joe Thomas. Look how beautiful he turned out to be. Uh, yeah. Ugly game played by ugly people. Jordan Addison, he's small. He's not Mike Evans, that's for sure. He's not a big body guy, but what he is is very quick, off the ball, and he's a very, very good route runner. He has great awareness in when he sees the coverages that he's working up against, he knows how to tweak his route ahead of his ears in that respect. Missed some time in training camp with injury. That's always a concern. It's a concern with everybody, but he doesn't have a track record, but you need him to stay healthy. Jordan Addison, he's in the best place. If you're a first-round draft pick at wide receiver, I think playing alongside Justin Jefferson is probably the best place you could possibly go. The other guy is going to get all the attention. Addison, I think, is going to have a lot of opportunities. I think Cousins has a lot of faith in him already, which is a good thing, because quarterbacks, do they favor guys? I don't know, but they already have a good rapport. And then don't forget about K.J. 
Osborne. I think mean, mm-hmm. KJ Osborne. The thing with KJ is he's come up big in big spots. Third downs, times when we've needed touchdowns. Sometimes you just find guys like that. That when the bigger the play, the bigger the point in the game, the better they play. And KJ Osborne has shown us at least as a number three receiver, no spots too big for him. I'm very interested to see how those guys play. And then as a group, you lump TJ Hawkinson in there. It's going to be a good group. And don't forget, we you know we signed Josh Oliver, who's a very good blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. And I think in this day and age, you need a guy like that. Like the New York Giants did back in the day with Shockey. They'd have 12 personnel or two tight ends in the game, but run their three-wide offense and throw nickel in there against it. And then they just move them in and run the football. It could put a defense from a personnel standpoint in a, in a jam when you have that kind of a versatility out of a tight end. Will they use that? I don't know. That's the beauty of opening day is you have no idea what's going to happen. So I'm just excited to see kind of it all unfold. And hopefully we can come close to repeating what we did last year. So you have the Giants on the tip of your tongue because wasn't the Giants the team that eliminated you guys in the playoffs last year? I would be correct. I'm a Giants fan. I didn't even go there. That's all right. One of these days when you make it to the playoffs, the Jets make it to the playoffs, you'll see. Oh, he's throwing some curveballs at me. Well, of course. He has to take shots at them more now that they have Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad he's out of the division. Well, then again, though, he might be with us next year because that's what happened with Favre. We know what happens when Green Bay quarterbacks go to play for the Jets. Hopefully you take it away his cell phone camera and everything else. So you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be taking pictures of his ding-dong and sending no, it out to all the women? <laughs> Don't worry, Zach Wilson might take his cell phone camera and do that. That's true. It didn't go so well for the last time a quarterback from Green Bay went to New York. You know what the Jets need to do? They have to reach out to Zach. Zach take a picture of his ding-dong and claims it's Aaron Rodgers. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Mm-hmm. So watch out, Aaron. You hear Eli Manning came out and he warns Aaron Rodgers about the New York media. He says it's a honeymoon stage right now. Wait until you start to lose. That thing flips really quickly. The Jets start one uh, and three. Trade them now! Thinking about the Jets, I saw an article about plus or minus on days of rest, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 49ers face more teams where the 49ers get less rest than the team they're playing against. It's like 23 days total. It's the biggest discrepancy in the schedule that they've ever seen. And I'm trying to think if the Jets were on the plus side of that. They're Probably never. not with all the primetime games The Jets have. are never on the plus side. They're always on the negative. If Rodgers brings the referees that he had in Green Bay with him, you're going to <laughs> get one call a drive that'll move the chains so you can put points on the board. It'll cancel out with the rest that Bill Belichick still has with the Patriots. Ouch. Pete well, is just taking shots at the New York Jets. I'm not taking shots at the Jets. I'm taking shots at Aaron Rodgers who when he played with the Packers because we saw him every year for 15 years. He didn't want to be there. He hasn't had any thought or any admission over the last couple of years from that organization that he was going to be safe. And now all of a sudden he goes to the darkness and he was about 90% sure he was going to retire. He comes out of the darkness and he says, you know what? I want to be a Jet. So he just enters another darkness. I don't know if that's what Ayahuasca does to you or what, but maybe he our guy Dalvin were hanging out. Well, Dalvin just had a kid. He just wanted the $8.6 million well-deserved. Speaking of Dalvin Cook, this running back story that is just throwing legs, all these running backs, these guys that have been taking beatings, we understand that the average running back only plays three and a half years in the NFL, but there are a lot of good ones, and they are up for contracts, and nobody wants to sign them, nobody wants to extend them, and now they want to be traded. I think what you're seeing now is the final culmination of all the rule changes and everything else that have been made from the passing game standpoint to make throwing the football a lot easier. The gloves make it a lot easier. 
short pass is almost like a long handoff now. And you see teams like Kansas City, they win the Super Bowl with a seventh-round draft pick at running back, and people think, oh, well, we can do that. It's like, not really. You don't have Patrick Mahomes. Most teams have a quarterback that needs the serious threat of a run to open up the passing game. I think it's team by team. If you've got a quarterback that can scramble and extend plays, number one, you're going to get the pass rush to change. And that was one of the big things with Aaron Rodgers, is Rodgers didn't scramble to move the chains. He scrambled to extend the play. And when he and the receivers were on the same page, he would burn you deep. You let him out of the pocket, you hold your breath because he's going to heave it down the field and he's going to make you pay. That made the defensive linemen get less edgy. They got more controlled pass rush. They want to keep him in the pocket. So Aaron Rodgers, because of his abilities, already took away from the defense's ability to pass rush. It's not like they've had the best offensive line in the league for the last 10 years in Green Bay. It's the Aaron Rodgers effect, and it's the same thing, I think, with Mahomes, too. Now, you look at the complete opposite is Kirk Cousins. They know he's going to be in the pocket. We know where he is going to be when they throw the football. So we can play two-man against him because he's not going to pull it down and scramble him. So that's going to help us on the coverage side. And then we can run three-man stunts. We can run stunts all day long because we know where he's going to be. You can't be that reckless and gamble that much when you have a quarterback that can move. My point, if you have a quarterback that can move, then maybe you can get by without a good running back. But if you have a pocket passer, you have to have that running game. And unfortunately, it seems like, yeah, the running back position has been devalued a little bit. But you know this game. It ebbs and flows. Somebody's going to lose a couple receivers and then just say, you know what, we have to run the ball, just run the football, play good defense, and they're going to go far. It's unfortunate because I think Dalvin Cook is one of my favorite Vikings that I've seen. Adrian Peterson obviously is up there. Now he could be uh, one of your favorite Jets. I'm a Dalvin (laughs) Cook fan. Doesn't make me a Jets fan. You could just rank the Jets players. Number one is Dalvin Cook from number 53 to Aaron Rodgers. And first of all, Pete, we all understand how you feel about the New York Jets because I remember last year when the Jets were heading over there to Minnesota, you were very sure that the Minnesota Vikings were going to pulverize them. And if it wasn't for bad play calling at the goal line for our great friend, Mike LaFleur, who's no longer the offensive coordinator here, thank God he's over Uh there with the LA Rams. But hey, we have Nathaniel Hackett, so we're going to hack it now, baby. I do remember what you said last year. You did say that the Jets are going to have problems scoring on the goal line, which... They very much did. They were first and one. Mike White, six foot five, had him try to run the ball not once, not twice, but three <laughs> times. And they couldn't get into the end zone. That's why the Jets lost against Minnesota last year. Minnesota should lost that game. You guys have such a fast and physical defense. And for the Vikings, it was fortunate when you guys were missing, I believe, both of your running backs at the time. It was White's second game because he had come back the week before you guys played at home and beat somebody. Chicago yeah, crushed him. Good outing. So I know you guys are used to flying over Minneapolis. <laughs> on your way out to the West Coast. Yeah, you have to stop and lose a football game, so it's not it's not fun for anybody. There is another shot by Pete Bursick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he has to do it more now that Aaron Rodgers is on the team. We're just having a little fun. You know what I want to see? I want to see the Vikings go to the Super Bowl against the Jets this year. That would be great. If that happens, I will fly out and be in studio with you. No, no, no. We're going to go to <laughs> Vegas, and we're going to do the show at Radio Row with you. How's that sound? <laughs> and you, Al, 
sit there and just ask each other, how the hell did this happen? The Vikings and the Jets did it. It would be great. It would be six hours of great radio. You know what we should do? We should do the radio show in our cars. I'll pull up with my rent-a-car. You pull up with your rent-a-car inside a radio row, and then we set up mics, and we're sitting there talking to one another. That would definitely sell to all these advertisers and endorsers. These guys are geniuses. We should all do our shows in our cars. Don't worry, Pete. I'll have the camera for your live reaction when Dalvin Cook is tackled at the one-yard line and the Vikings win. God, oh. you got me thinking about it. Yeah, that would be a rough one. Roger handing off to Dalvin Cook. It's like, I don't know whether to smile or throw up. Somehow they'll play Aaron Rodgers. Our first interviewee will have Dalvin Cook. That'd be good. I'd love to see him again. And you know what we'll do? We'll throw him in the back of the trunk and we'll have him speak. Dalvin yeah. Cook from the trunk, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, junk in the trunk radio. <laughs> With Pete Bursick. <laughs> Go sell that one. This is Pete Bursick. This is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. And we now have a nice little bet that if the Jets and the Vikings meet in Super Bowl 58 this year Whatever. in Vegas, me, Speedy, and Pete Bursick will be at Radio Row in our rent-a-cars doing a show. With Dalvin in the trunk. With Dalvin in the trunk, baby. Junk yeah. in the trunk. And hopefully we don't deflate the balls before the game. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Pete. We really enjoyed the interview and keep up the good work. We'll talk to you the second half of the season. We'll talk a little Vikings and New York Jet football. I love it. Anytime. All right, go Giants. I mean Vikings. <laughs> go Giants. I approve. <laughs> what are you drinking in there? Whatever I can get my hands on. Maybe gasoline. I have no idea. Listen, you better be careful. It seems like a lot of football players or ex-football players are getting arrested. <laughs> my car doesn't ever come out of park. I just sit in it. You're the only ex-football player that hangs out in his car by himself. Good company, but outside shot, it's up on block. It doesn't really go anywhere. I just kind of act like I'm driving to work every day. <laughs> Your wife's probably saying, what is Pete doing in the car again? She doesn't care as long as I get out of the house. <laughs> It's a long ride today. Don't forget, in a couple hours. You're out of your mind, man. It's not that bad, but it works. Definitely with women. <laughs> you tell them whatever they want to hear. As long as they know that you're okay and you're just away from them and the family, they're happy. So I would agree. So would that explain your radio acumen? That's what they want to hear. Some of them love it. Some of them love Speedy. He's not much to look at, but he does know the analytics. Don't worry, you add me to the list with the ugly football players. Go <laughs> off the ugly tree to every branch on the way down. Well, mention that to Daryl Talley if we ever get him on the show. You have to invite us to a live Vikings game and invite us into your play-by-play room where we can add a little two cents to the conversation. How's that sound? Let me know if you guys are ever on the road or at home. If you guys are ever at a Vikings game, just let me know. You invite us to a Viking game, we will be sure to head over there, my friends. So you're those kinds of guys. Hold on one second. I'm making bets with these ex-NFL players, taking them to steak dinners, taking them to football games. I am a fair guy. I have a bet with Brandon Jacobs, Devere Posey for a steak dinner with okay. him and his wife. He has the Vegas Raiders having a better record than the New York Jets this year. He's on drugs. Okay. Good luck with that. Maybe we'll throw him out a text and maybe he'll take you with us. I think you okay. have more money sure. than he does. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll let you run with that. Well, I don't want him to kill me. I gotta remind you, I'm on radio. I don't do TV. I do radio. Alright, right? so you invite us into the studio. <laughs> Between you and the anchor on the local NBC News is gonna be a little bit different. That's, That's true. Different... Let me tell you something about the NBC analysts. Some okay. of the crap that they're putting out there in the NFL, they should be ashamed of themselves. It is garbage. And I understand what they're trying to sell. They're trying to sell a product out there that is
is drawing the younger fans. But if this is drawing the younger fans watching this, I'd rather throw up. I am tired of watching this garbage. Just put yeah. the damn football game on. I don't want to hear these guys talk. I just want to watch a damn football game. I hear you there. I like Tony Dungy. I'm not going to throw Tony Dungy. I can't really complain about the announcing because I could actually do something about it. I just kind of <laughs> hang in there and whatever. We know who you are. We know what you're all about, buddy. And you like to hang out in your car alone. So that's all that matters. Just don't yeah. do anything crazy like ex-NFL players have done in their car, okay? <laughs> Please don't go to Walmart and do stupid things. Why else would you go to Walmart? <laughs> it's so funny because we've had different players that played with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and they say his favorite place to go shopping is Walmart. <laughs> wow. Maybe he could be a greeter someday. Oh, could you imagine Aaron Rodgers greeting people? If he ends up being like 5-12 and 12 this year, he would get murdered verbally if he was a greeter at a Walmart in New York. But here's the funny thing. You have players that don't even know who Aaron Rodgers is. So who would ever believe that Aaron Rodgers is standing at the door greeting people? Some grandma. Oh, I'm Aaron Rodgers. Who the hell are you? <laughs> hey, I'm Juicy A-Rod. Juicy A-Rod. You want me to sign your bra? Pete, thank you for joining us. That's my ab workout for today. I'm done. <laughs> Well, I did my app workout, and I did enough laughing to probably throw yeah. people off. Uh, there right, we go. Good night. Good night, my friend. See you guys later. The great and powerful Pete Bursick, as he was taking shots at the New York Jets throughout that interview. Thank you, Pete, for just annoying me, as you always do. But we love you. Thank you for the time. Always is great. And he is potentially getting on board with a Jets-Vikings uh, Super Bowl, where we'll all be at Radio Row, and Dalvin Cook might be in a car. That's right. He'll be in the <laughs> back of a trunk, interviewing as Pete will be in his rent-a-car. I'll be in my rent-a-car. It'll be the first time a show at Radio Row will be in a car. That's what the radio show is going to be called. In a car. Just make sure Henry Ruggs isn't driving and we'll be okay. That's an awesome name. In a car with Pete Bursick and Errol Marks. When we come back, Hollow is back, ladies and gentlemen, as we will be doing Money Line Mania here on the Weekend Crunch. A little 80s music. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to the show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time Alley. I'm 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out the Sports Loudmouth every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania with Jazz and the crew. With Paolo and the crew. Paolo, what's up, my friends? How's it going, guys? It was a good beginning. What I tell you last week, the Lions. Yeah, they're going to miss the playoffs, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not even going to be close to it. This was a complete clinic by the Lions. And people are saying that Kelsey wasn't playing. And then you got the defender. Chris Jones. Kelsey's at 34. And if you saw Mahomes, he didn't look like the quarterback of the years before. And the Lions, if the Lions wouldn't have made the mistake, this was going to be a blowout. Last week, when I said the Lions were going to win, they're almost 4-1. to That was like a gift. But this week, there's so many games. Last week was good again 
Italian soccer only missed that Austin Villa play but you saw Arsenal they scored with 30 seconds left two mm. goals bang bang big odds and then Juventus won so it was another uh, winning week but this week is the national team I like Croatia to win I see Portugal really winning big scoring over two and a half goals and I like Greece with the Faroe Islands over two and a half goals now moving on to the NFL my play of the week this week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus six and a half. They cover the spread and they go inside Minnesota and even win the game at 3.45. That's my play of the week that I like a lot. My second play to cover the spread is the Arizona Cardinals plus seven and a half, even though they don't have a quarterback. Don't be surprised if we see an upset there. But I think the upset is going to happen. The Tennessee Titans are going to go into New Orleans and they're going to beat the Saints and cover the plus three and a half. Also, also got signed. I definitely like the San Francisco 49ers minus two and a half. And they have value on the money line also at 1.81. Moving on to the later games, I'm not convinced on Jacksonville, even though they're playing Indianapolis. But plus four and a half, I'm not convinced on that one. So I pass on that game. I think that the Denver Broncos should come out on top on this game. Yeah. I don't know about the spread, but I like them to win. Miami with the Chargers. I'm a little bit on the Chargers, but I'm not convinced. I want to see how they do because uh, this team, even though they have the talent, some weeks they're up and some weeks they're down. Moving now to the Sunday nighter, Cowboys Giants. The spread has stayed steady at plus three and a half on the Giants. But the Cowboys have taken all the money. The Cowboys on the money line have dropped down to 1.61. And the Giants are at 2.58. The thing that worries me is that they're actually teasing to take the Cowboys at the minus 3.5, 1.61. I'm not convinced. I need to see more of this Giants team. Because if the Cowboys do win this game, they're going to win by over two touchdowns. It's not going to be a close game. So if the Cowboys do win, they will cover the spread. Now getting down to the Monday nighter, where the Jets are playing the Buffalo Bills. This game here, all of a sudden, all the money, people are giving the Jets no respect at all. The Buffalo Bills are like at 1.71, and the Jets are at 2.28. One thing I see in this game that both quarterbacks are not going to put up a lot of yards passing. I see Aaron Rodgers going under 235, and I see Josh Allen going under 254. Even though Buffalo is taking all the money, I think the Jets are going to win this game. And if they do win this game, I'm taking the Jets to win by 1 to 13 points at odds of 2.84. I'm not convinced that the Bills should be such a big favorite. What the line makers are saying in the serious market is that this is going to be a defensive game. But I could see it going over 45. But as far as the win, the Buffalo Bills, I would never put money on the Buffalo Bills at 1.71. If I'm going to play this game, I'm going to take the Jets to win by 1 to 13 points. They won't win by more. So I'm going to move on to some of Wes's plays. Wes could not be with us tonight but did text a couple of his plays that he likes. He has three of them in the NFL. The Chicago Bears, minus one, he is going to take pretty much outright over the Green Bay Packers. It has been announced that Christian Watson, their best receiver for Green Bay, will be out of this game. So he likes Chicago, minus one. He also agrees with you, Paulo. He likes the Broncos, minus three and a half against the very lowly and dysfunctional-seeming Las Vegas Raiders. And a little bit of a yeah. disagreement. He likes the Saints to cover, minus two and a half against the Tennessee Titans. See, the thing is with that pick there, with the Saints, the Tennessee Titans have the better quarterback. And the Tennessee Titans have the running back. The Tennessee Titans, the year before, were a pretty solid team. But I'm really not convinced on the Saints. 
I think this game, Tennessee wins this game easily. But the game of the week that I told you last week was going to be the big surprise is the Minnesota Vikings with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Minnesota Vikings are not winning the division. The division is going to be won by the Lions at 2.54. The other game, the Baltimore Ravens are going to win that game. I haven't seen much of Houston. I think just taking Baltimore to win at the odds that they're at, I think it's good vibe because Baltimore not losing this game. By now, the 10 points, the spread dropped from 10 and a half. It's down to 10. And all the money is on Houston to cover the spread. But I still believe that Baltimore will win this game by at least 1 to 14 points. They might even win it by more. I'm not convinced that Houston's going to keep this game close. Hope Cincinnati again. I can see the upset. I look at the line on that game and why I'm not picking that game, even though I have predicted the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. What I don't like about this game is the way the Bengals are trending. They're not trending in the right direction. The Bengals opened up. They were up 1.75. All of a sudden now, the Bengals are at 1.86. And the Cleveland Browns taking some serious money. And the spread has dropped down to plus one and a half. So if the Cincinnati Bengals were such a shoe in this game, that which they're not, you're looking at a game that's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Who takes it? Their game, the Rams with the Seahawks. That game there, the spread is minus five. The Rams... This year, I think, don't have a team. They've lost a lot of talent. Defensively, okay, they got Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup is not playing. I can see the Seahawks covering the spread easily. Minus five. I don't see the Rams keeping this game close. The other game that caught my eye is the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to cover the spread plus four and a half. I watched some college football this week. I said that Duke would beat Clemson. You know why I picked that game? Because I'm not convinced on this Clemson quarterback. Duke was at five to one. People, when I I told them to go play Duke to win and to cover the spread. They thought I was crazy. One college game that I see this week is going to be a blow to the USC. USC has a 31-point spread. You think they cover that? Yeah, but in the NFL, I picked the Lions to win the division. I picked the Chargers to win the division. I picked the Jets to win the division. I picked the Falcons to win the division. The 49ers to win the division. And the Dallas Cowboys to win the division. I know you said last week you had the Ravens over the Bengals in the AFC North, despite you having the Bengals yeah, in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, the Ravens are winning the division. When the opening where I look at the markets were opened up. The Bengals to win the division were up 2.12. The Ravens, when I told you the Ravens to win the division, they were up 3.65. You know what the odds are now? Cincinnati is at 2.46 to win the division. And the Ravens, to win the division, are at 2.82. So the Baltimore Ravens could be the upset of the season if they win the division. But I still believe that the Bengals... And the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl. A rematch of two different Super Bowl matchups from the 80s. The almost Super Bowl last year, but both teams losing in the conference championship yeah. games. I told you the Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Buffalo Bills, I'm not putting that. They're not winning the Super Bowl. The teams that will win the Super Bowl will be, number one, the 49ers, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Dark Horses are two teams to win the Super Bowl. The New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys. You know what the odds are in the Dallas Cowboys now? win the Super Bowl from 20 to 1 the Dallas Cowboys have dropped down to 14 to 1 the Jets from 30 to 1 are down to 18 to 1 and the 49ers from 11 to 1 are down to 9.8 and Cincinnati has actually drifted so people do not believe that Cincinnati is going to win the Super Bowl all of a sudden Cincinnati was trading at the 
10 to 1, and now they're trading at 11.5. I think I'm going to be correct on my Ravens winning the division pick at 3.65. All righty. Paolo, thank you for joining us. Happy football season. Happy NFL kickoff. Good luck with all your picks this week. I told you I'm putting the money on Moneyline. Where should you putting the money at the betting partner? Because here, I don't have a betting partner, so I can't go book that kind of money that she plays. So she's putting all the money on the Baltimore Ravens on the money line at 1.4. You got it there. Good luck, guys. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Paolo. Enjoy the game Monday night. The great Paolo. And by the way, he has been on track over the last couple of weeks on his picks. So if you're a betting man, I've been saying this over and over again. Paolo has been fantastic. Tune in every single week with Moneyline Mania on the Weekend Crunch. When we come back, some NFC previews as we will get into the New York Giants. Where could they be in the NFC East? The 49ers. Is Brock Purdy the answer and Derek Carr ladies and gentlemen could be the best quarterback in the NFC when we come back we will get into that here on the weekend crunch we are back ladies and gentlemen you are listening to the weekend crunch I'm your host Errol Marks my co-host Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time Alley on 103.9 The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out the Sports Loudmouth every single Wednesdays and Thursdays with me and Speedy Petey as we get great guests, great content, and stupid crazy callers. Tune in every single Single Wednesdays and Thursdays by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to get into as our previews are set. The NFC East, we will get into first. I think Washington and the Giants are both going to tie at 8-9 and nine this season. I'll give the edge to Washington because the Giants usually struggle in the division. They can't beat the Eagles to save their life. And the Cowboys usually beat them at least once, if not sweep them for the season. So I'll give Washington a tiebreaker here. A lot to like with those offensive skill players, Gibson. He also got three good receivers of Curtis Samuel could stay healthy as well. And Eric Bieniemy is there. I know there was tension with those guys. Oh, the guy's too intense. But I don't think that's going to last the whole season. I think maybe it'll take a little while. But you look at Sam Howell, who's played well in the preseason, and a defense that should play better on paper. They're weak in the middle of the field. They've drafted a lot of linebackers that have not panned out for them and a lot of veteran guys. But their pass rush, if Chase Young comes back healthy, is going to be a tough one for them to be able to do. And their secondary, they drafted a couple corners. A lot of corners that played well for them last year, too, at the beginning of the season. So I think they'll be better. Not a playoff team Washington, but I do think they'll be better 8-9. and nine. I have them tied with the Giants in third. I look at what the Giants, what they have with the wide receivers. Hopefully Darren Waller could definitely help factor in, because he's right now played a lot of big slot in this preseason. Problem is the Giants have a lot of guys that are traditional slot receivers, and they're going to need someone else to emerge. I like Isaiah Hodgins, but he's really the only one I could trust on a consistent basis. And their defense, they definitely got a lot better talent-wise this offseason, too. I like the move for Okereke, the linebacker. Deontay Banks had a really good preseason, too. The question is with them is, can they get enough consistent edge rushing, too, in Wink's scheme? With Thibodeau and Ojolari, if they can stay healthy, too. They got some depth, but do they have enough of those guys to help out their counter? And stopping the run, too, was an issue for the Giants at certain points last year. I'm going to go with Dallas number two. I'm going to say 10-7 and seven for them. I think they fall off a little bit record-wise with the harder schedule, but I think their improvements this offseason are helpful. I like the move for Brandon Cooks a lot because they always were missing that number two receiver alongside C.D. Lamb for quite a while after they traded Amari Cooper. They were trying to 
patch guys in. And I think he's going to be an impactful player. He's a pretty steady player year to year. That's going to help them with their other receivers kind of being more slot type. We'll see what their deal is in the second half of the season. Gilmore is a nice move. I think that'll help their secondary depth a lot. I'm curious what they're going to do with Parsons because I think the notion of him trying to have to just be a pure pass rusher is really beside itself too. Like he's good in other areas. Why not use him in other areas too? That's why I think the big breakouts have to come from who is that second pass rusher because I think that's something that Dallas has not figured out yet. They gave Demarcus Lawrence the big contract and he is kind of underwhelmed since then because he's really just a speed rusher. Doesn't have a lot of great run stopping abilities either. The defensive line was pretty good against the run in the first half but not good in the second half. The other thing that's concerning too is the offensive line who's had some injury issues already this preseason. Number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. They just got too much talent this offseason with that defensive line. They improved a lot with their running game too. I think Swift is an upgrade over Sanders and I think even Rashad Penny is not far behind Miles Sanders either so I don't think they're going to miss a beat with their running game. The only thing that concerns me with the Eagles long term is two coordinator changes but I can't imagine this team regressing too badly. I think they're going to be 13 and 4. It's going to be a harder schedule but 13 and 4 they're my number one seed in the NFC. I'm going to go Washington as my final team in the NFC East. I think they're good defensively. I question their offense because they're complaining already about Eric Bieniemy. so I don't know what's going to happen this year with the quarterback. You can't trust Sam Howell. I think Rivera's going to get fired before the season's end. I, I just don't know if this team knows where they're going. I think ownership with Harris is definitely moving in the right direction. I just think they're a 7-win team, an 8-win team. I don't think they're any better than that. So, I say Washington's the worst team in the NFC East. I like the Giants this year. I think they can win 9 or 10 games. I think they have the quarterback, Daniel Jones. I think they can run the ball. Saquon Barkley's going to have a great year. And their defense is going to be even better with Wink there. He didn't get a job in the offseason. He only interviewed for one of them. I do believe Wink Martindale is the defensive guru, something they haven't had since they won a Super Bowl in 2011. I think they have the ability to get to the quarterback, and I also believe they could throw the ball with Darren Waller. We'll give them about seven or six touchdowns and command double teams in the open field. I think they're good, and I think the Giants could make the playoffs. I think there could be three wildcard teams that come out of the East like it did last year. I think the Giants are a 10-7 and team or a 9-8 and team. They could sneak in as a wildcard team, the last wildcard team, so they're third best team in the NFC East. I have the Cowboys second. I think with Micah Parsons and what this team is capable to do defensively this year, I like Dak Prescott. Pollard's going to have a great year. He's the guy. He is going to be a guy that's going to get touches at catching the ball and running the ball. And I think C.D. Lamb is going to have another phenomenal year. He's expecting a big contract at the end of the season. If he has another year like he had last year with close to 1,400-1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns, he's going to get his money. And I think that this team all around is going to be a dangerous team defensively. If they stay healthy this year and they stay out of trouble off the field, I expect them to be a top five, top seven defense in the NFL with Micah Parsons being one of the lead rushers in all of football. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to get at the quarterback. He's going to hit the quarterback a lot. I would say the Cowboys are a 12-5 and team, 11-6 and team. They make the playoffs. They're a wild card team. I question the coaching over there. And now with a new offensive coordinator, they have the same defensive coordinator, they have the same defense. I would say number two, the Cowboys. I have the Philadelphia Eagles going number one. With the defense that they have, the youngsters that they have, Jalen Carter is going to be beastly this year, could be defensive rookie of the year. I like their running game. They added Swift in the offseason. They have A.J. Brown. They have Smith. And Jalen Hurts, if he stays healthy this year, this team could win 14 games. They have a tremendous offensive ability. Their offensive line, which is the best in football, they're coming back. Johnson's back. Kelsey is back for another year. I expect that this offensive line 
will stay healthy and be able to compete all season long against some of the best defenses in the NFL. The NFC East, you have four teams that could go in the top 10 when it comes to defensive talent. So it's going to be fun this year with the Eagles, and I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC East. NFC North. Another one I have a virtual tie for. I have the Packers and the Bears both tied at 7-10. and 10. Chicago's defense, we're still trying to see if it's going to transition. Everflus is a great defensive coordinator. I think he's going to make a lot of these young guys good up front. We've seen Jack Sanborn, Dominique Robinson play very well last year up front. And their secondary, I think, will get better over time. But this offense is what I'm excited about this year when you look at Khalil Herbert at running back. Justin Fields, obviously, we know what he could do on the ground. I think he'll lead the league in rushing yards this year. And DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney as well, giving them some spacing in that offense. They need to throw the ball for a better volume. I think they improved this week. I think they're like the Lions of last year. They'll be a little short of the playoffs. I have them at 7-10. and 10. The Packers also 7-10, third place. They still have the defense once they get these guys back healthy. Their linebackers they improved on last year. Bringing back Devondre Campbell. They drafted Quay Walker, who played well in the second half of the season. Besides Amos, they were able to keep a lot of their defensive back, which I'm surprised they were able to do. They were so cash-strapped. Did lose, however, Preston Smith. Where are they going to get the edge rushing from? Rashawn Gary's on one side. They drafted Lucas Van Ness. That's going to be a big question for them. But again, more of the questions come with the offense, obviously. That offensive line that can't stay healthy to save their life. Elston Jenkins was hurt last year. Josh Myers hurt last year. And then Bakhtiari, like we were saying, has played one game in the last two years. So very tough to trust. And they're wide receivers. In today's NFL, you need wide receiver depth, and they do not have it. And Jordan Love, I have less faith and still think he'll be a little turnover prone. And Matt LaFleur, can he actually be the coach to take that next step? Because he's been like a winning coach, but he's not like a great coach. I have Packers 7-10 and 10 tied for the Bears with third and fourth place. Another virtual tie for me for 2-1. and one. I think the Lions and Vikings will both tie. I am going to give them both 11 wins, but I'll say the Vikings are second. I think they have a great offensive line, obviously a great receiving core. Drafting Jordan Addison, you got KJ Osborne who played well in the second half, and obviously Jefferson is best receiver in football. Minnesota's defense, I like them bringing in Brian Flores. I think he'll help out a lot of those young players that they're starting this year, especially with the linebacking core, starting Troy Dye, Avon Pace, a rookie from Cincinnati, and their corners too. They're all young all at once. They signed Byron Murphy from Arizona. A lot of their safeties and corners they drafted last year too that got hurt. I think Brian Flores is a good guy to help out with that, so I think the Vikings are still a playoff team. I'm going to give them 11-6. and six. I think they're going to be a wild card team, but I think the Lions win it on a tiebreaker. <laughs> I got the Lions winning the division. I think there's a lot of great draft picks that they had this year. I know a lot of people were criticizing their first round. I do think Campbell is a nice player for them, though. What they really need to help out their run defense a lot, and he still can cover very well, too, side to side against the screen, too. Now, the secondary, I questioned with their corners being traded, but they draft Ryan Branch. They had a young safety in Kirby Joseph that played very well last year. Young linebacker in Malcolm Rodriguez, who can cover as well. And their edge rushing, too. Both Hutchinson and their other rookie, James Houston, a fifth-round pick. It both had over nine sacks. The Lions offense, we know how potent they can be, even with their receiving suspensions. I think they still have enough. Marvin Jones, they brought back as a solid veteran guy. I love him on Ross St. Brown. Their offensive line was the second best in terms of pro football focus grades last year, only to the Eagles. And that'll help even bring in new running backs, too, with David Montgomery. And Jared Goff, you got to play better on the road. That'll be the next step for him, but I do think they'll play better overall. So give me the Lions, 11-6. and Tie with the Vikings for the division. I think they both make the playoffs. But give me the Lions to finally end the drought. I think the Chicago Bears will be the worst team. That's not saying anything bad about the team in the organization. I think Justin Fields is going to make strides. I think this team's going to make strides. DJ Moore and Mooney, the offensive line's going to be better. This defense is going to be better. I just question, are they going to be able to stay intact? Is Justin Fields going to stay healthy? all season long, which has been a big problem for Justin Fields since he's coming to the league. He's a tough kid. Chicago wins eight games this year. I just don't know if they're better than Detroit. I don't know if they're better than Minnesota or Green Bay. So third, I have the Green Bay Packers. Practically the same record. Eight-win team, seven-win team. This doesn't take shots at Jordan Love. I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is a good quarterback. I just don't know with a young quarterback that you can strive and win that division. Losing Aaron Rodgers, so many stuff that happened in the offseason. Is this the right coach with this quarterback? quarterback with Jordan Love and is this defense going
going to hold up. Something that they were supposed to do last year that they didn't really do that in the second half until Aaron Rodgers played with that broken thumb. So this defense has to be all world if they plan to make the playoffs, and I don't know if they can. So I have Green Bay winning seven or eight games. I think the Vikings are the second best team in this division. I think it's Detroit's division to win. I look at the Vikings, and there was a lot of things that really stood out to me in the offseason. They needed to add another offensive weapon. They did that, but he got in trouble in the offseason. Jefferson is going to be asking for a lot of money in the offseason because he is the best wide receiver and probably the best offensive player in all of football. And Kirk Cousins. Is TJ Hawkinson and Kirk Cousins going to have the season that they had last year together after the trade at the trade deadline? I love the coach. I think he's a great offensive mind, but the defense last year completely fell apart. They lost some defensive players in the offseason. The question is, are they going to be able to hold up? Are they going to be able to compete? So I have the Minnesota Vikings winning 10 games. I have Detroit as my number one team. I think they're a fantastic team. They're built to win this year. I think they make the playoffs this year. I think for a person that's taken shots at Jared Goff over the last couple of years, I think he is the quarterback of this team in this organization in their future. I think they have everything. They added Montgomery in the offseason. I think they're going to be able to run the ball even better this year. And they have weapons all over the field. We all know what Brown is. When Williams actually plays and he doesn't get in trouble, this team could be so prolifically offensively sound. And the best offensive line in football. I think this team is transitioned into the best offensive line in football. Last year they were second. This year they're first. Give me Detroit. 12-win team this year. Number one team in the NFC North. NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the worst team in this division. They're traded away Mike Evans probably at the trade deadline. Their offensive line is abysmal. I do like the potential for Rashad White and maybe Chris Godwin in this offense, but that's really about it. There's not really a lot that you can trust. Their defense, Shaq Barrett's coming off a major injury, torn Achilles for an older pass rusher too. That's going to be hard for him to be able to come by. I like Vita Vea. I still like their run defense a lot, but again, how much are they going to be able to keep? They signed a lot of these guys to big contracts and there's other guys from that 2018 and 2019 draft that got to get signed. No more Byron Leftwich, no more Bruce Arians. Who's going to trust as the offensive coordinator? And the great Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, worst team in that division. Four and 13. Number three for me, I got the Atlanta Falcons. I think they did improve in this offseason. It's just a lot of new defensive players all at once. A couple good edge rushers, too. They bring in Bud Dupree, who's been a good veteran with the Steelers and the Titans. They bring in David Onyemata, defensive tackle. Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in the league. The problem is they don't have a lot with the key positions. Lack some edge rushing. They have some young guys, but again, they don't really have a true number one pass rusher. And outside of AJ Terrell, can they find a number two in depth corner beyond that? Offensively, we know they're going to run the ball a ton. They got Bijan, they got Algier, and they got Cordero Patterson. Kyle Pitts, hopefully, he gets targeted more. Falcons sneakily did have one of the best offensive lines, though, in football. Where are they going to get the passing attack from? And that you need that in today's NFL. I think they're going to have a creative offense, but I do think teams will catch up to it in the second half of the season. So I'm going to say the Falcons are third place. I'm going to say eight and nine. I'm going to go Carolina second, nine and eight this year. I think they're going to be kind of a slow starting team. A lot of new coaches all at once. Good coaches. Frank Reich as the head coach. Navarro coming from from Broncos as defensive coordinator. I think that'll help them a lot. Their edge rushing has been very good. And their secondary, very underrated for the Panthers, too. They just got to stay healthy with guys like Chin, guys like J.C. Horn. We'll see on C.J. Henderson. But offense. Offensively, they lack the skill position players to get him going on a faster rate. I love Bryce Young as a talent. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback in this league. It's going to be hard for running backs and wide receivers coming over from other teams to learn that new system right away. And we saw last year, older receivers really have trouble in today's game. And Adam Thielen was one of them that was really just more of a touchdown guy last year. Charks had some injury issues. Jonathan Mingo, a rookie to watch out for, I think could emerge as a potential top target for them. But their offensive line, their defense will keep them afloat. So I still have them second in the division. I think they're right on the outside of the playoff teams in the NFC. Nine eight for the Carolina Panthers. And the number one for me, I got the Saints even without Alvin Kamara for the first three games. I think they could win two of those games. They could beat the Packers. They could beat the Titans. I think Carolina would be the tough one, but I think they'll be just fine. Their offensive line is getting healthier from where they were last year. Their first round pick, Trevor Penning, was hurt a lot of the year last year. Eric McCoy, the center, who got a big contract, was also hurt. When you look at the second year of this coaching staff, too, I think they'll be able to transition a little bit better, too. Now, their defense did lose a couple pieces. Uh, Marcus Davenport goes to the Vikings. A couple of their veteran defense.
defensive backs either retired or went elsewhere too. So can they get that second pass rusher next to Cameron Jordan will be a big question, but they still got Demario Davis there. Pete Warner, quietly one of the best young linebackers, and they've drafted a lot of good DBs recently too. So I think the Saints will be just fine even with Kamara there. Derek Carr obviously coming over. I think the Saints win the division at 10-7. and Tampa is the worst team. They don't even have a quarterback. This team is just horrible, and I, I believe Mike Evans is going to want out. I think Godwin's going to want out. They're not going to want to be there. This team is an absolute joke, ladies and gentlemen. They have good wide receivers. They have a good running game. And the defense, White wants out. I expect him to be traded one way or another at the trade deadline. This team is completely a debacle. And right now, with Todd Bowles running that team, this team is going to be an absolute joke in the NFC. This could be the worst team in the NFC. I think they'll be looking for a quarterback in next year's draft. They'll be drafting in the top 10 next year. Tampa wins five or six games. They're the worst team in the division. I'm going Carolina in third place. I don't trust right now with a rookie quarterback. I think in the position that they are in this year, I think Bryce Young will be a good quarterback. The question is, is this offensive line going to be able to protect him? He is small. He could get hurt this year. The defense is very well built. Is the defense going to be enough if the offense can't put enough on the board? I don't know if they can. I question Carolina's offensive side of the ball and the quarterback play, especially losing DJ Moore in that trade. They don't have a number one target, really, and that's going to be a big problem. Don't tell me Adam Thielen, because he is not the guy. Carolina will win eight games this year, no more than nine. Carolina is my second to worst team in the division. I have Atlanta in second place. I think they could be a borderline playoff team. This offense is going to be fun to watch. Robinson's going to be fun. Patterson is still there. They have Pitts. They have Drake. This is an explosive team, and they're going to be able to run the ball. And their defense, they added Jesse Bates, who is a great defender, one of the better secondary players in all of football. He will help out a very weak secondary from last year, and a defense that I think is going to be a lot better. I think they're going to be able to put pressure. The question is, is Desmond Ritter the guy? I do believe that Desmond Ritter is a lot better than people think he's going to be. He's going to be a run and throw quarterback. He will be able to use his legs. The question is, is his size going to matter in the NFL? He's so thin, and he can get hurt very, very quickly. There's no more Marcus Mariota there. He's backing up right now Jalen Hurts. I think this team's better offensively than people think. I think they're going to put up numbers. I think they're going to put up scores. I think they'll be able to compete against some of the worst teams in this conference. So, give me Atlanta. I think they win 10 games this year. Number one team! It's the Saints. Derek Carr, the weapons that he has, Olave, they're going to be able to run the ball when Alvin Kamara comes back. This offensive line's a veteran offensive line that can put up numbers, and this defense is as good as any defense in football. This defense was one of the sack-leading defenses two years ago. I really, really like the Saints. I think they win about 11 or 12 games this year. FC West! Cardinals will be last place. They're trying to actively tank and trade everybody, so I'll give the Cardinals one win. The Rams are third, 6-11. Uh, and 11. I think their offense, if Cooper Cup would stay healthy, will still be able to throw the ball a lot, but their offensive line is not good. McVay is going to help them. Their schedule is tough. They're going to compete in games. I don't think they're going to be like last year where they're going to completely fold, but I think it's still going to be very hard with a lot of defensive players lost, a lot of young guys all at once. I think just with a lot of new coaches all at once, it's going to be hard for them. So I'm going to say they say Rams third place, 6-11. and 11. So here comes the first big surprise. I am going to take the 49ers second. I'm not sure how the quarterback situation is going to come back with Brock Purdy. I think it's going to take them a little while to get going. I think they're rushing him back, and I think it's going to be a big mistake for them. Debo Samuel just coming off an injury, too. How good is he going to be right away? And the big thing that no one's talking about is the offensive line lost a lot of pieces this offseason. Trent Williams is still there. Obviously, he's been the best tackle in football for quite a while, but McGlinchey on the other side goes to Denver. A lot of their veteran guards are gone now, too, so I'm not as high on this 49ers overall offense this year. I think 
Kittle will have to do more blocking as a result. Use check and secondary wise, can they get those guys back healthy on the defensive side of the ball? Three corners hurt last year. How will they come back? And again, if Brock Purdy doesn't play well, they get to go to Sam Darnold and it creates a bad culture for this team. So I'm going to say the 49ers, they still make the playoffs, but I'm going to say them as the second place team. I got the Seahawks winning the division and because Seattle got some really good defensive players in this offseason, they brought back Bobby Wagner, they signed Devin mm -hmm. Bush from the Steelers, they brought in Julian Love from the Giants, who had a very good year. Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, that was the biggest weakness for Seattle last year. They could stop the pass. Their secondary was great, but they could not stop the run. And I think they really bolstered that well. Offensive line was really good. They're only going to get better. Two second-year tackles, a third-year guard, Damian Lewis, and now bringing in a jig, but two, you have three really good wide receivers. So the Seahawks have the capabilities to play like the Vikings and the Bengals and offenses like that that could play those three receiver type sets. It's not just going to be just a running type team like you saw in years past. And I love the coaching with Pete Carroll too. And Geno Smith, he proved himself last year. Give me Seattle, 12 and five, winning the division, number two overall seed in the NFC. What could I say bad about this team? They're obviously trying to lose. Kyler Murray will not be back this year. I wouldn't even be surprised if he's playing professional baseball after this year. I think the Rams are horrible. They have no offensive line. They have no draft stock. Cooper Cup being out a significant amount of time doesn't help them. I think he'll demand a trade. We've heard Matthew Stafford is not happy playing with the youngsters. He might demand a trade. I don't think they win more than four or five games. The Rams are the second worst team in the NFC West. I think Seattle is the second best team in the division. I don't know if I would pick them over San Francisco. I don't trust Brock Purdy. And if Brock Purdy gets hurt, who's their backup quarterback? Sam Darnold. I would have trusted Sam Darnold of Brock Purdy being that Brock Purdy coming off a UCL tear. Starting the season with his throwing arm, it definitely has to worry you, especially if he's franchise quarterback. You give Nick Bosa that type of money. You expect him to show up. Hargraves got a lot of money in the offseason coming from Philadelphia. The questions really lie with Seattle right now is with the weapons. Are the weapons DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jigba? Ohio State wide receivers are very good. Seattle wins 10 games, 11 games. They make the playoffs. I like everything about them. By the way, I don't want to see Adams play this year. That big mouth idiot. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He'll be back. He will be back this year. He won't be back in the first week, but he'll probably be back the second or third week. But I, I'm looking forward to watching him get his face beaten in. My number one team is San Francisco. I'm not trusting Purdy. And we've seen quarterbacks come off the bench like Brock Purdy and put up numbers. So in a Kyle Shanahan type of offense, it could absolutely work. I just don't know if I trust it, and I don't know if I believe it. I do believe they're the number one team in that division because of their defense. I think Bosa and Hargrave. Hargrave adding to that defensive line is only going to make him even massively better. They have what it takes to win a championship with the defense that sound. The question is offensively, is George Kittle going to stay healthy? Is McCaffrey going to stay healthy? Is Debo Samuel going yeah. to stay healthy? This is a team that's been fighting injury every single year. And Purdy, look at Brock Purdy's record last year against 500 teams. He was 2-1. And, and that was at the end of the season when some of those teams weren't even starting their starters. They don't win more than 11-12 games. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into our AFC previews and our three-for-all picks of the week. Only on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Pete. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loud Mouths with me and Speedy Pete. Every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Worldwide. 
WorldwideSportsRadio.com. So let's get into the AFC East as the New York football Jets could be the best team in the AFC East this year. The powerhouse AFC East with Buffalo, Miami, New England, and the Jets. I got the Patriots last again. I know they got Bill O'Brien to help out that offense a little more, but Juju Smith-Schuster, nothing you could trust with that knee. And Kendrick Bourne's the only other receiver I trust on that team. Their offensive line's better. Their defense is good. I think Bill Belichick will coach them to like 8-9 and nine for the Patriots. Third place, I got the Miami Dolphins. I was higher on them during the offseason process, but their injuries are concerning. No Jalen Ramsey for probably six games or so. I think that's going to hurt their secondary. Fangio will help it a little bit, but I do think it's going to hurt them against the rest of the teams in this division. Offensive line, no Teron Armstead for a while, too. That could hurt them. And their running game, are they going to emerge? I got the Dolphins third. Give me the Jets second, 11 and 6. Definitely some offensive line concerns with them. Where's that second receiver going to emerge? I think it'll be Alan Lazard, but I think the rest of the team is really set beyond that. They got a good running game. They got a great defense. Tons of pass rush depth. If they stay healthy, it's tough to go wrong with the Jets. The only thing concerning is the offensive line. So give me the Jets 11 and 6, Buffalo 12 and 5, winning the division. I'm actually less worried about them losing Leslie Frazier as you are. I think Sean McDermott's scheme is very Von similar. Miller might be off their young players will get a bigger role in their defense too. I think they losing Tremaine Edmonds will hurt, but I think they drafted a, a couple good linebackers in the last two years. It'll help to get them combined value. And I do think those young DBs will emerge a little better. And offensively, I think James Cook does take a big step this year. Kincaid is another good weapon for them. I think he's kind of like what the Giants will do with Darren Waller, that big-bodied weapon. I think their offensive line got better too. So give me Buffalo, 12-5. and five. They're flying under the radar this year, which I actually think helps them because they were too hyped last year. I got New England as my worst team. I think New England's going to win eight or nine games this year. I think they're going to still be a good team. They're good defensively. They have weapons. I still think they have a good running game. They'll be one of the better running teams in the NFL and they can get at the quarterback. They can get them on both sides of the ball. So I think it's going to help Mac Jones that O'Brien is there. So I think he'll have a better season than he did last year. I think New England will be looking for a quarterback at the end of the season, but I believe Mac Jones will put up better numbers and I think he'll keep his team in the game because of the defense. And I think they'll be able to run the ball. So I have the Patriots winning about eight games this year. They'll be the last team right now in the AFC East. Second, Miami. I think Miami's going to be explosive. They're going to be fun. They're going to win 10 games this year. This defense is a lot more explosive than people think. Fangio is definitely going to help them out. This offensive line, there's a lot of questions to it. They overachieved. I think they're going to underachieve this year. Tua needs to stay healthy. If Tua stays healthy this year with Tyreek Hill and Waddle, even though Waddle right now is not 100% healthy, has ankle problems going into the season, but he always has ankle problems. He's never 100% healthy, but they're going to be able to put numbers. They'll be able to run the ball. This is where I think Mr. Indianapolis Colt will go. Jonathan Taylor, I think, will go there. Be a huge addition to them before the trade deadline. So Give me Miami. I think they win 10 games. They could be a borderline wildcard team. Number two, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Jeff fan, I think Buffalo. I, I don't know what I expect with Buffalo this year. I think they lost a lot of weapons in the offseason. Their defense, their offensive line is getting old. They were not good last year. I don't think they're going to be any good this year. What did they do in the offseason to help that offensive line? And then their running game. They added Harris. How good is Damian Harris? I don't know what they think that this running game is going to do. Josh Allen runs the ball any more than he did last year. They're going to have a, a lot of problems because if he gets hurt this season is over. Leslie Frazier is a big loss. A huge loss. A defensive guy, probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Losing Von Miller for four games is a huge loss off the pup list. You play the Jets in week one on Monday Night Football in New York. You could fall 0-2. I think Buffalo's going to have a lot of problems this year, especially keeping up with Miami and possibly the Jets. And at number one, I would say the Jets. I don't know what the Jets are yet, offensively. So all the Jet fans need to cool off on this Aaron Rodgers thing. I love Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. The question is, are 
these weapons around him going to put up the numbers that everybody expects? Is Alan Lazard really as good as everybody thinks he's going to be after paying him $14 million in the offseason? Hardman took $7 million. I like Gibson. I think he's a good young player that the Jets have. Brownlee could be a raw player. And Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to have an explosive year. 14 touchdowns, 1,400 yards for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will throw 36, 37 touchdowns this year and put up over 4,000 yards. I think this offense and this defense can hold up. I don't know about the offensive line, the woes that you said, because what I've heard about the offensive line ever since Brown came back and what Makai Becton has done in the last two weeks of training camp says a lot about this team and what this offensive line could be. Give me the Jets. They win 12 games this year, and I think the Jets are the team that's going to come out of the AFC East as the number one seed. AFC North, I don't trust the Ravens in terms of staying healthy, and I don't trust the Ravens in terms of certain defensive aspects of the way they're built right now. Marlon Humphrey's going to be out for a month, maybe more. They don't have a lot of corner depth like they used to. It's very weird. Marcus Peters gone. Tavon Young has not stayed healthy. They haven't really found guys in free agency that have helped that kind of thing, and they're pass rush. They don't have a lot of great edge rushing depth. Lamar Jackson, I think his volume in terms of the passing offense will be a lot better, but I'm worried about their offensive line, too. They've had trouble staying healthy, too. So I'm going to go to the Ravens last 9-8. and eight. Steelers and Browns will tie 10-7. and seven. Browns, I like the Jim Schwartz addition. Jim Schwartz did a fantastic job with the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl with corners that were horrible. Sidney Jones and, like, Patrick Robinson. The Browns have Denzel Ward. They got Greg Newsome. They got a kid in Emerson that played very well last year as a rookie. Philly's pass rush was probably better, but the Browns' pass rush was very good, too. Offensive line still very strong, and they're receiving depth is very good too. As far as the Steelers, I loved their draft a lot. I think their defense is still going to be very good. They're going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to get a lot of turnovers. Pickett is a little concerning for me. He's kind of more of a basic quarterback, but I do think their offensive line will be better and they're not going to have to worry about lack of balance in that. So I'm going to say the Steelers 10-7 and 13-4 and for the Bengals. Their schedule's really easy. Their secondary, I liked a lot of the prospects though in that yeah. draft. Lou Anamaro, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. I think he'll be able to adjust to that. I think the offensive firepower is still there. They bring in Orlando Brown. Number one seed in the AFC. I think the Browns stink. I think Amari Cooper is the only decent player they have on that team. Deshaun Watson's not the same player. He needs to stop playing with himself. That really sent him down. His career could be over. I don't like this defense. This defense can't stay healthy. I wonder what the Browns are going to be all season long when their schedule gets harder. So I expect them to fall off pretty quick. I think the Browns don't win more than six games this year. I think they're the worst team in the division. Second team, I think it's Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh wins ten games. I think their schedule falls in their favor. I think they're one of the best defenses in all of the NFL. I think they're going to prove it. They're going to get at the court quarterback, and they're going to put pressure. I think Najee Harris is going to have a fantastic year. I expect him to have 12, 1,300 yards, and I think Kenny Pickett, as much as everybody thinks Kenny Pickett is the worst quarterback in this class and in this division, I think that he has the weapons. I think George Pickens is going to have a great year. I think he's going to win the number one job. Johnson's going to have a better year than he did the last year. I think this team is going to be offensively sound. I think they're going to be as good a defense in the NFL, so I expect them to win 10 games. At number two, I think it's Cincinnati. Everybody keeps blowing up Cincinnati. Look how good they are. Look what they added. They added Brown. They added this. They can add all they want to the offensive line. All season long until the second half of the season, they couldn't stop a lick. They couldn't stop anybody. So adding Brown doesn't make a difference. The guy has a thorn up his ass, and he took more money going over there. So I don't think Brown's going to help this team any more than what they lost in Jesse Bates, who went to Atlanta. I think Jesse Bates' loss in the offseason is going to kill their secondary. They're going to have problems in the secondary. I think Cincinnati is the second-place team. I think they win 11 games at most. And then at one, I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. Defense is good. This offense is good. And by the way, the defense didn't even play at the top of their game. It's a trade for Smith. I think this team is as good defensively as any team 
in the division. That says a lot about the division. And uh, Lamar Jackson's going to have a fantastic year. Weapons all over the field. They have J.K. Dobbins. I like Edwards. I think they have more than enough weapons to put up the numbers that they need to win. Give me Baltimore 12-win season. And by the way, Tucker breaks another record hitting a 70-yard field goal kick this year. AFC South. Colts are last. They win three games. Not only did they trade Jonathan Taylor at the trade deadline, they were also going to trade Michael Pittman, and I think he'll be a valuable piece to a contending team. Texans, yeah, five wins. I think they'll be pesky. Defense has been very good, and I think they improved in the front seven enough where I could see that being a tougher out for them. Second is the Titans. I'm going to say nine wins for them. When they're fully healthy, they're one of the best front sevens in the league. I think their secondary is underrated, too, with a lot of good young corners. It's just a matter of if they can get a passing attack going that quickly because they have enough of the running game, and their offensive line should not be as bad as they were last year. But Jacksonville is the best team. Their one issue that I'm worried about with them is their offensive line a little bit, but they're getting some guys back healthy, and their secondary, which I thought was a big problem for them last year, did improve. You didn't like the, the draft pick, Harrison? So, could be good, but again, I, I think they still have other holes. He's looked good, I heard. The interior. I've been reading. He's looked really, really good. So, yeah, that could definitely help one tackle side. We'll see on Cam Robinson, who I think is out for the first four games. So I think they're going to be 11-6 division champs. I think the Colts are the worst team in the division. I think mm. they win one game. I don't trust Richardson. Like the kid's talent. I love what I saw at the Combine, but Combine doesn't sell me anything. And Justin Fields, it took him a little while to figure that out, but really proved himself at the end of the season. I don't know if Richardson's even close to what Justin Fields is. I think the Texans, I think they can win five or six games, but I'm even going to predict they win seven games. I think they're a lot better than people think. Here's is a great running back. They have a good weapons, young weapons, and I, I think C.J. Stroud's a lot better than people think he is. I think he's the best quarterback in this class. I think he's got a great arm. I think he's going to prove, and I think he has a lot to prove where Bryce Young was drafted. I think he believes that he was better than Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud is going to show, even with the offensive line woes, that he is a great quarterback. At number two, I would say Tennessee. I think the Jaguars' schedule, it does get hard. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be protected? Travis Etienne has to stay healthy. I think he's a big part of this offense. Titans winning eight games. Jaguars win 10 games. Final one, ladies and gentlemen, the AFC West. The Raiders will be last. They're going to be a three-win team, but they are going to beat the Chargers. Ruin them like they always do. <laughs> then I have a tie. Nine wines each for both the Chargers and the Broncos, but I'll give the edge to the Broncos because the Chargers will lose to the Raiders. Chargers, like I was saying with the Ravens, have a lot of injury-prone players. Joey Bosa, you can't trust. JC Jackson came over from the Patriots, and really, when he was healthy, didn't look great. Now, again, their offense is a lot better. I think Kellen Moore definitely a big upgrade over Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi was one of the worst coordinators in football last year. Oh. The thing is, I worry about the injury risk with their wide receivers as well, too. And the inside of that offensive line, are they going to be able to get an inside running game? Eckler's plenty good on the outside, but inside running game will be tough. So I'll say them 9-8. and eight. Broncos 9-8 and eight as well. They improved their offensive line massively. I think getting Mike Bodlinski, getting Ben Powers from the Ravens, too. A nice addition. They've had some receivers hurt, but Marvin Mims is a rookie that I loved as a prospect. Javante Williams, uh, I think, will return nicely. He'll start a little slow, but he'll return nicely. And I think that defense, I was wrong on them last year. I'll take the L. I thought they were to fall off badly losing Fangio. They did not. I think they'll regress a little, but not to the extent that they were supposed to, I think they'll still be good enough to stay afloat in that division. The Chiefs will win the division, but I think it'll be a little tougher than people think because they have a lot of good young defensive players that they have to transition all at once. I think they're an 11-win team. Besides Chris Jones, really the only other star at a particular position is probably Nick Bolton. He was a nice young linebacker, but that's really it. The offense is a lot of coaching and wait and see and motion, but the Chiefs do win 11 games, but they're only going to be the number three seed in the AFC. Obviously, my bottom team is the Raiders. They stink. I think they don't win one game this year. Their schedule is not easy. They have to play 
play the Chiefs twice. They have to play the Chargers twice. They have to play the Broncos and Sean Payton twice. And their defense stinks, too, by the way. I feel bad for Josh Jacobs. I feel really, really bad for Devontae Adams. Renfro, I don't know what happened to that guy. I mean, he curled up in a ball, and he's hiding in McDaniel's anus. And this guy was one of the best slot receivers in the league, and now all of a sudden, he doesn't want to use him. Idiot. I think the Chiefs are the third. I don't know what Travis Kelsey's injury is going to entail. I know everybody keeps saying it's nothing, but it's an extended knee. And that's not good for a guy that is long and has a lot of weight, and he's 33 years old. Scanley is their number one target, and this guy is hot and cold. They drafted like crap this year. Everybody keeps talking about Pacheco. I don't know what Pacheco's going to be this year when he's the number one guy. It's not Alaire anymore. It's him. Pacheco is a small guy, so he's going to take a big beat. The Chiefs are going to win between 9 and 10 games this year. I don't think they're as good, and I don't think Patrick Mahomes stays healthy this year. I think he gets hurt. That offensive line is not going to protect him. Losing their left tackle is a huge loss. And Brown going over to the Bengals only benefits them, but we'll see as we know what their offensive line did in the first half of the season. So I've got the Chiefs in third nine to ten wins. Two is the Broncos. I think the Broncos are a lot better than people think. I really do. I think they can run the ball with Williams. I think their defense was one of the best in the league last year. I think they're going to be even better this year as they rated them higher. I, I think they can make the throws. I think their weapons, Mims, is a good player. I think Judy, with with this offense, the way Peyton's going to use him, I think he's going to be even better than everybody thinks he's going to be. I think they're going to be able to put up points, and I think they're going to be able to play defense. I think the Broncos win 10 games this year, and they beat out the Chiefs for that second spot. And my number one team... The Chargers. I think Justin Herbert. I think J.C. Jackson coming back. I think Slater coming back. This is one of the better, more underrated offensive lines in football. They're going to be able to protect him. They're going to be able to run the ball with Eckler. They have Mike Williams. They have Kellen. The question is, is their coach actually going to call the right plays? Because the guy's a moron. But this defense is good. They're going to be able to put up the points. They're going to be able to stop a lot of teams. And their schedule fares for them at the end of the season. Give me the Chargers! 12 wins and might be the number one seed in the AFC this year. And before we go to the break, ladies and gentlemen, I know you've been waiting for this. We are now going to give you our three-for-all picks of the week. The Miami Dolphins traveling to L.A. to take on the Chargers. The over-under is 50 and a half. This is going to be a close game. I definitely like the over in this one a lot. Both these defenses still have a lot of question marks, but I am going to take the Dolphins here in this one. The Chargers' secondary depth, I just do not trust against this receiving core. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, who owns the Chargers in his career too, and a healthy Tua Tagovailoa, who had a very good deep accuracy numbers last year. So give me the Dolphins on the over. I love the Chargers in this game. Absolutely love them in this game. Justin Herbert, the weapons that they have over there, I expect this to be an explosive game offensively, even the defense. I think the Chargers are going to show up this year. J.C. Jackson, I think that this team is now where they expected to be in the beginning of the season last year. I think they're full and ready to throttle. I think they knock off Miami in a close one on the over. All right, time for the MetLife doubleheader. First Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. The over-under 45 and a half for this one. Uh, the Giants not likely to have Darren Waller. He is hurt. Has a hamstring Not injury. Not surprised. And yeah, that was the big fear of them trading for him at the time. But they all they traded was the compensatory pick that traded for uh, the Mr. Drop Hands, Canarius Tony. Could WFN stop promoting and screaming about how good Darren Waller is? I told all those WFN guys, I've called their show. How many times did I tell them that Darren Waller will not be healthy for the whole season? 
Nevertheless, I think either with or without Darren Waller, I think this is going to be a hard game for the Giants. Dallas' defense still very healthy, very good up front. They improved in this draft as well against the run with Maisie Smith and Saquon. How much effort is he going to put in? He's been just gruntled with the Giants all season. Daniel Jones, I think this is a tough matchup for him. Giants' defense, I think he'll keep it close, but I definitely like the under in this one, but I'm going to go Dallas, unfortunately. Now that I hear Darren Waller is not playing in this game, that sets them back at least... Seven to ten points, because I think Darren Waller would have played a big part. Dallas has a problem stopping the big tight end, the fast tight end. Now that they don't have Darren Waller, it's going to affect them in this game. So I have Dallas winning this game on the over. All right, Monday Night Football, the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets, 45 and a half. The over-under for this one. This is definitely a game that could go either way. I think the Jets... Even though Aaron Rodgers has great primetime experience, the Jets as a team really don't. I think that's going to make a difference here in this one. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo. I think it'll be a close game. Two things to watch out for. The tight end play for Buffalo, Knox and Kincaid, and Josh Allen running. I think will be two X factors in this game. I think Aaron Rodgers does play well in his Jets debut. Garrett Wilson has a nice game, but I'm still questioning the running back. So give me Buffalo. I think it'll be a close game on the under. Week one, no problem for the New York football Jets as their first home game with Aaron Friggin' Rodgers! Oh, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I think it'll be a battle of the defenses early in the game, but I think Aaron Rodgers will pull away in the second half of the game. I think you'll see a touchdown by Tyler Conklin. I think you'll be able to see a little bit of the running backs displayed. Brees Hall and obviously Dalvin Cook will have their names spread all over the scoring sheets in this game. And I do believe... Garrett Wilson will have a touchdown in this game as well. I expect the Jets to win this game, game number one, at home with Aaron Rodgers on the over. When we come back, as we do this every single week, Crunch Time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. All eight on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loud Mouths. All you have to do is go to the menu bar and check out all our shows. And when they air, it is live. You can tune in, listen to all the great guests and great content. All you have to do is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Thank you to our friend Pete Bursick for joining us. He's been fantastic. Every time he comes on the show, he always gives us a great interview. He's funny, and I've never heard him laugh as much as he has over and over and over again on our show. On air, I listen to him. He's very serious. He doesn't laugh that much, but we get him to laugh. So we were very happy to have him on, as always, in the beginning of the season. We'll get him sometime in the middle of the season when break happens for Minnesota, and he relaxes, and he's not locked out of his house. And thank you to Paulo for giving us his time for Moneyline Mania as well. He's fantastic. He really is one of the better handicappers in the country. Dead on with a lot of his picks. So, guys, if you want to make money, you should be listening to Paulo and the Weekend Crunch, every single week to hear their picks. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we call this segment Crunch Time! It's time for Crunch Time! 
All right, let's go to MetLife Stadium to start crunch time as well. Both Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard will have at least 100 scrimmage yards. I absolutely believe it. I think Dallas is a great defensive team, and they've been known over the last couple of years to be a very good run-stopping team. But this year, against this Giants team, against Saquon Barkley, when he wants to get his incentives, he is going to go on the field, and he is going to make noise on the field on Sunday Night Football, as well as Pollard, Tony Pollard, who won the job from Ezekiel Elliott sometime in the middle of the season last year after Zeke got hurt, and then he just flew, and he breezed right through the season. He was one of the better running backs in the second half of the season. I expect him to have another good season as the number one back on the Dallas Cowboys. Give me a positive yes. Yep, I agree with you on that one. Tony Pollard, I think, has a bigger game. I think Giants really struggled badly against pass-catching running backs last year. They love to blitz a lot. And Saquon, I do think, does play well. He did well receiving in the first meeting last year against Dallas as well. So I think definitely both of them will have that. I am going to buy it as well. All right, we heard Caleb Williams might return back to school if he doesn't like the team he's going to. Buy or sell? He will do that. I absolutely am going to sell that. Why would Caleb Williams walk away from a $50 million contract? I know he's getting money from Wendy's and Hertz and all the different commercials, the NIL deal he has now because he won a Heisman Trophy. Good for him. But he is going to make a life-changing, generational type of money. Why would he walk away from that? Because he doesn't want to play for a certain team. I absolutely sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. You also risk the USC going into the Big Ten as well. They're going to place a lot of tougher defense, especially in that Big Ten East with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, etc. That could definitely hurt your stock too. He's a great ability. I think he'll be the number one pick regardless. But still, you don't want to risk that. I'm going to sell that as well. All right. We got some disgruntled running backs that are on some bad teams. Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs. Buy or sell. One of them will still be traded at the trade deadline. I think both of them are going to be traded at the trade deadline. Jonathan Taylor definitely... Josh Jacobs, if he has a breakout season like he did last year and putting up the numbers that he has, I do not believe he will re-sign with the Raiders, and I do believe he hates Josh McDaniel, so he is definitely going to force his way out of there. So I believe both of them are going to be traded at the trade deadline, so I absolutely buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. I think the Raiders definitely, I think more likely, I think Jim Mercer's ego I think still could take over a little bit, but regardless, Josh Jacobs Jacobs definitely, because I do do think the Raiders are going to end up going completely in a different direction. The Colts, they've already started to go in a different direction, so I think they're going to try to hang on to Taylor with this running attack as as long as they can, but nevertheless, I'm going to buy definitely Jacobs for sure. All right, back to college football. Deion Sanders got a statement win against TCU last week with Colorado. Now they're number 22. Buy or sell? They will finish top 15 this year. I'm going to sell that. I do believe they'll be top 25. I think Dion will find a way to win certain games that you wouldn't expect it, but they're still a new team. They have all new players on a roster. Deion Sanders, this is his first year in that conference, so it's going to be a lot of learning and this is a learning period for him and his coaches, so I absolutely sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I think they're going to be kind of right outside the top 25. There's still a lot of good teams in the Pac-12. I know there's a, a realignment happening, too, but you still got Oregon. you still got USC. you still got Washington. There's going to be a lot of tough tests in that Pac-12 as a whole, too. I think they're going to be kind of in that right outside the top 25 range. I am going to sell it. All right, going back to the NFL. All four of these receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Waddell, and Tyreek Hill, will all have at least 70 receiving yards. I'm going to sell it. I don't think all of them are going to have it. I believe two out of the three will have it. So I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy that one. I mentioned this was going to be a shootout. I don't really like the Chargers secondary depth at all. Dolphins, obviously, with no Jalen Ramsey. They get to have the great Eli Apple playing for them. And I think Mike Williams is a good matchup with his size against that. Keenan Allen, he's pretty steady. And then Jalen Wilds, Tyreek Hill, Tyree Kill, we know they can go deep. I'm going 
going to buy that. All right. Your Florida State Seminoles had a huge upset against LSU. Buy or sell, they will be a college football playoff team. They better. They've won a national championship with Jameis Winston. If there's any season that they can explode and really shock the world, it would be this year with the size that the wide receivers and tight ends that they have, the ability that they have offensively and defensively, I believe they'll be a Final Four team in that playoff. I absolutely buy it. I am going to sell it. There's two reasons why. I think the depth of the ACC might hurt their strength of schedule compared to some of the other Pac-12 teams. Like Schedule's easy. It is. No, no, no. But also, I think the top half of the ACC is still going to be very They win tough. all their games, and they win the ACC. They definitely have a good shot. They also got to have to deal with teams like North Carolina. Now, Clemson's already knocked out because they already lost to Duke. But North Carolina, I well, think, Well, that's not necessarily tough. true. I also like Miami as a potential sleeper to be able to rise. If Clemson wins all their games left, and they only have one loss, you don't think they can get into no, the No, if floor? they only have one loss. I don't think that'll be the case because I think they're very fraudulent. I think they're all very new all at once, too, with Clemson. You could definitely see another team from the SEC leapfrog now that LSU lost, whether it's Alabama or Tennessee. I also like a potential two for the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. And don't be sleeping on the Pac-12 either. None of these guys are leaving as well. They have a bunch of good teams as well. So I just think there's a tough competition for that, and I like the schedule for the other guys. I'm going to sell that. All right, last one. Both Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers have 250 passing yards and two or more touchdowns. I'm going to sell that. I think Aaron Rodgers will. I don't believe Josh Allen will. I believe the Jets are going to shut down Josh Allen's throwing ability in this game, and they're going to make them run against the Jets' defense. Just because of that, I don't think Josh Allen will have two or more touchdowns in this game. I think he might throw one, and I could see him throw 240, 250 yards, but I don't think he throws two or more touchdowns, so I'm going to sell that. I'm going to sell it, but I'm actually going to take the opposite approach. I actually think he'll get the touchdowns. I actually don't think he'll get the passing yards. I think he, the tight ends I think will play well. You can see pass-catching running backs play well in this game for Buffalo. I think Josh Allen, in terms of scrimmage yard, I think he'll be able to run a lot in this game. The Jets had trouble last year against running quarterbacks, and they've done some adjustments to that, but we'll see how Robert Sala plays their young players. Aaron Rodgers I think definitely does, though, but I don't think Josh Allen does. I'm going to sell it, even though it's a little bit different than yours. Well, we both agree that Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. We yep. just don't think Josh Allen's going to do it that way. Yep. So it's going to be a fun game, and I know you have Buffalo winning the game. I have the Jets. I think it'll be close, and I think the Jets' defense will win this game. Not the offense. The Jets' defense will win this game, as everybody knows why the Jets are expected to be a Super Bowl contender this year. It's because they're shut down defense. They're secondary, and some of the additions of that defensive line. I think it'll be fun to watch, that's for sure. Thank you again to ex-Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio analyst and broadcaster Pete Bursick, our friend, for joining us. He's fantastic. Thank you to Paulo from Moneyline Mania. Thank you to all the fans out there. 103.9, thank you for letting us do what we do best and that's entertain you guys for two hours on Saturday. Football season's here. Basketball season's a couple of weeks away. The hockey season is a couple of weeks away. So Rangers and Islander and Buffalo and Devils fans, it's going to be a fun year for all those teams. I think all four of those teams can make the playoffs. I really do believe that could happen this year. Also, the Knicks and the Nets. And yes, there will be baseball playoffs, but the Mets and the Yankees will not be there. So I'm sure New York fans are not going to be excited for the playoffs this year. Max Scherzer might not be either. The Rangers are falling apart, too. <laughs> well, there you go. If you're a Mets fan and you enjoy Max Scherzer's destruction, well, good luck. I'm happy that the Mets fans are happy. Thank you again to 103.9. Thank you to Pat and John and Bruce and all the guys over there. The production over there, the production team. Thank you, as always, giving us the opportunity to do what we do best, and that's entertain and be the sports radio voices for all you fans out there. Keep listening to us every single week, every single Saturday at 7 p.m. on 1. 
103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Good night, everybody.